Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, May 3rd in Hong Kong, Tuesday, May 2nd in New York. And coming up today... Shares in regional banks PacWest and Western Alliance plunge and renew concern over the health of the U.S. financial system. Traders look ahead to tomorrow's Fed decision. Officials may hike interest rates one more time. Shares in Icon Enterprises drop after Hindenburg Research discloses a short call against the investment firm. First Japan-South Korea leader summit in 12 years is set. House Democrats try workarounds on debt ceiling. Hong Kong cuts number of directly elected council seats. Hollywood writers on strike. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. PacWest and Western Alliance leading a big sell-off in regional lenders. Trading in both firms triggered multiple volatility halts. PacWest shares were down 28% to a record low, while Western Alliance tumbled 15%. This renewed fears over the health of the financial system following the failure of First Republic Bank. Here's Bloomberg's Max Reyes. If you're a bank investor and you're thinking about the profitability of these banks or the kind of runway, Right, the picture has not improved for you. And if anything, given you haven't seen a systemic sort of intervention on the part of the FDIC, you haven't seen them raise insurance levels for deposits, you haven't seen any kind of backstop beyond the uh, Fed liquidity facility, you could be concerned. The turmoil comes a day after J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon said the current banking crisis was nearing its end. However, Dimon did acknowledge that it's possible we'd see another small lender fail. The regional bank gauge is already down 28 percent so far this year. Well, the route in those regional banks only deepened the sense of uneasiness today as the Fed considers its next move. Tomorrow we'll have a decision from the Fed, 2 p.m. Wall Street time. Bloomberg's Michael McKee has a preview. Investors are convinced the Fed will raise rates once more by a quarter percentage point. But after that one, they're done. They will signal rates are high enough and need to stay there for at least the rest of the year to ensure that inflation continues to slow. The onus for convincing Wall Street they will follow through will fall on Chairman Jay Powell. Markets are pricing in two rate cuts by the end of 2023. Powell will also get questions about the status of the banking system and regulatory reforms the central bank needs to make, and, no doubt, about the debt ceiling, although that's an issue he's likely to dodge for the time being. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And separately today, a group of U.S. lawmakers wrote to Fed Chair Jay Powell and urged him to pause those rate hikes. Speaking here of senators that include Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they say recent bank failures, along with the impact of those prior rate hikes, have left the U.S. economy more vulnerable to an overreaction by the Fed. Brian? Well, Doug, Icon Enterprises has seen its stock drop the most on record after being targeted by a short seller. We hear more from Bloomberg's Joanne Wong. 
Icon Enterprises plummeted 20% after Hindenburg Research disclosed a short call against the investment firm. Hindenburg said it found evidence of inflated valuations for some of Icon's assets and thus that the stock was overpriced. Icon rejected the claims. It said the Hindenburg report was solely to generate profits on a short position. The one-day losses for Icon stand out among those seen for Hindenburg's recent bets against Adani Group and Block. In Hong Kong, I'm Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. After the bell here in the U.S., Starbucks gave a positive earnings report. It's thanks to strong demand in the U.S. and China. More from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Starbucks easily topping earnings and sales estimates for last quarter, a positive sign that consumers are willing to spend money on discretionary items like coffee, even though stubbornly high inflation keeps pushing prices higher. Now, globally, comp sales rose 11% last quarter, well above the forecast of a 7.3% gain. And that was in large part due to a 3% increase in sales in China. After some pandemic-related lockdowns were lifted, the coffee giant had expected to see a decline in comparable sales there. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And then on the call with analyst, Starbucks said the coffee chain is reaffirming its guidance for the full year and the company also indicating it's out of stock on more items than it would like to be. Stock right now is weaker by nearly 4% in the late U.S. session. Advanced Micro Devices giving a lackluster sales forecast for the current quarter as it struggles to bounce back from a severe PC slowdown. We get the story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. AMD is the second largest maker of computer processors. It said second quarter revenue will be $5.3 billion, plus or minus $300 million. Now that compares with an average analyst prediction of $5.51 billion. Its gross margin, the percentage of sales remaining after deducting the cost of production, will be 50% in line with estimates. Like larger rival Intel, AMD is navigating one of the worst ever downturns for the personal computer industry, which is suffering from a post-pandemic funk. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. AMD shares down 6.3% in late trading. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong alongside Rashad Salamat and Doug Krisner in New York. So, Doug, as you mentioned, the regional banks were slammed today. Uh, part of that is kind of who's next thinking, but part of it may also be that the profitability of these banks is just looking more and more uh, in question. And I took the broader KBW index and went back 20 years. It's flat. Hmm. Tough, tough period for any bank. Yeah, most definitely. And then if you add into the equation this concern about poor balance sheets, uh, there was a piece today in the New York Times by opinion, uh, opinion columnist uh, Peter Coy, and he was citing some academic analysis that was done initially in March and revised recently. It looks at 4,800 U.S. banks and the latest figures show unrealized losses. This is just beyond the regionals. Unrealized losses for those banks right now close to $1.6 trillion as a result of the move up that we have seen or did see earlier this year in yields. We know now that yields are, have been moving in the opposite direction, but obviously these banks are still exposed. Yeah, just imagine going back eight months, you probably would have thought, well, we're going to get, you know, real expansion in in the net interest margins for these banks because the Fed's heading up to 5% or so. It has done that. The rates have gone up. And still, look at the at the situation that these banks find themselves in. It's one thing to say J.P. Morgan has done fine and the big banks are fine, but the broad swath of the banking sector, 
very much in trouble. And it really does point some attention to the Fed. You wonder whether or not Jerome Powell will be seen as Arthur Burns or as Jean-Claude Trichet, you know, <laughs> hiking at the most inappropriate time. All right, now it's time for Global News. Let's get right over to Ed Baxter in the 960 Newsroom in uh, San Francisco. He's tracking some of the top stories of the hour. Eduardo. All right. Thank you very much, Brian. Leaders from Japan, South Korea, set to hold their first formal summit in 12 years. A formal announcement today says it'll be a two-day meeting in Seoul to begin on Sunday. The announcement says it's a chance for Japan's Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, and South Korean President, Yoon suk Yeol to restore shuttle diplomacy. The statement says the international climate is changing. There is a need for unity against China and North Korean threats. U.S. House Democrats are putting together a workaround to try and pass a debt ceiling rise without the spending cuts tied in. They're courting some moderate Republicans and would only need five. But Bloomberg's Jack Fitzpatrick says there are a number of things being floated. The discharge petition to get things moving in the House is there, but it looks pretty unlikely unless a bunch of moderate Republicans change their stance. Uh, Short-term measure is something people keep mentioning, but Senator Schumer just said today he doesn't want something a few months. He wants a two-year deal. Uh, Jack says a May 9 meeting will show who has leverage And right now, there's almost a sense of desperation, he says, on the Hill. Hong Kong plans to slash the number of directly elected seats in local district councils. This is a a direct effort to prevent activists from gaining power. The proposal would see the city hold direct elections for just 20 percent of Hong Kong's district council seats. Hollywood writers are on strike for the first time in 15 years. Uh, They're striking for higher pay amid rapid changes in the way people watch TV and film. There is more streaming. There's less writers working on a show. Uh, There are less seasons typically made. All of that means less money to the writers, Uh, you know, residuals. And Bloomberg's Felix Gillette is saying there's concern about AI taking jobs as well. The issue is they don't want residuals going to people who created, you know, generative AI to create scripts. Um, and they want some you know, control about how that technology is being employed in the writer's room. Uh, first thing we will notice is a late night broadcast shows will begin airing reruns tonight. Speaking of AI, co-founder of Apple, Steve Wozniak, is one of the signatories now of a scientific petition to slow the development of AI, not so much afraid of a societal takeover, but because of new ways to spam, hack, and destroy lives by bad guys who can replicate everything, including your family's voices. He looks at it in a very interesting way. Okay, technology, AI is going to take care of me, so I will have all my food and all my clothing and all my shelter and my kids and my family family and and a lot of entertainment and I'll just be like a family pet totally taken care of sounds like a good thing so if I'm going to be a pet someday I thought about it what do how do I want to be treated so that's when I started feeding my dogs fillet steaks and <laughs> rotisserie chicken and stuff Wozniak on Bloomberg Technology says advances cannot be stopped but responsible people need to be watching Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? 
With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat. And our guest is Peter Cheer, head of macro strategy at Academy Securities and never uh, fails to uh, to add some pearls of wisdom to the program. Peter, great to have you with us. So it's kind of hard to argue that, you know, that Silicon Valley Bank was a one off and Signature Bank was a one off and, you know, down the line to uh, to this week. Um, there's something going on there, uh, and, and investors are probably right to assume that it's more likely it continues than goes the other direction, right? Yeah, it's definitely a little concerning. Late last week, I felt that it was a slight positive that we had First Republic stock going down, and KRE was actually the um, regional bank ETF was doing fine. And all of a sudden this morning, that really started reversing. And it did look, as I think you mentioned earlier, people are starting to look for who is the next candidate. And that's unfortunate. I think there's two issues facing the banks. One, what are they going to have to pay on deposits to keep deposits? So I think that's a margin and equity story. But clearly more people are starting to dig through balance sheets and trying to figure out which balance sheets are in trouble and how does that go from there. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, there's also on the other side of the coin uh, a degree, certainly, of complacency. Well, certainly, you know, the Fed seems set to hike rates again. The Fed doesn't seem to want to take any responsibility that the rapid rise in rates caused some of these balance sheet issues where maybe they could have been slower, they could have done something bigger up front and let rates not get as high. So, yeah, there's a bit of complacency, and I think now that's creeping in. And that is the worry, right, is if it wasn't one off and each lay comes down, um, I think a lot of people are also a little bit concerned the amount of support J.P. Morgan felt it needed from the Fed in terms of the balance sheet of First Republic. Maybe that's what triggers some eyes, too, and saying, well, J.P. Morgan's taking this balance sheet over and thinks they need that much support from the Fed. What's really wrong? What's going on out there? Under the hood, investors are probably more nervous than what the indexes read. I mean, we talk about the price action and looking at equities and maybe that, you know, kind of prompts questions like complacency. Uh, but but if, if you're not a leader in an industry, you know, you've, you've taken it on the chin. And if you've reported earnings that, you know, missed anywhere along the line, especially on the forecast, um, you've been hit pretty hard. Uh, witness AMD after hours here. Is that the scenario we're in, that only the biggest and strongest will collect the flows? And, you know, because these big tech companies have fortress balance sheets, that it props up the indexes when they aren't so healthy. um, So part of that, I find it very healthy that this time around, it's not just the shorts, the highest short interest stocks leading the way. So last year, every time we had a strong rally, it really felt extremely like short covering, right? No one was really paying attention to earnings. No one was paying attention is, I need to buy everything. So everything shot up at once. And this time, breadth is not very good. So I think we are poised to see some sort of reversal where some of the leaders start maybe flagging a little bit, and people start buying from these underperformers who maybe have a good story. Um, right now, we're not through that. I think we've got to make it through earnings to see something like that occur. You know, we've had this huge discrepancy between the NASDAQ 100 or QQQ on the ETF side of things versus the Russell 2000. I think there's going to be opportunities. I'm not quite prepared to get long. I'm still a little bit nervous about markets. So on a scale of minus 10 to positive 10, I'm about a minus 4 right now. 
that hasn't really changed even after today. Um, but when I start buying, I'm actually going to want to buy all the laggers because I think that's where the real rally is going to come from. Mm. Right, that is interesting. Oh. And uh, so give us typically what you're looking at then. So again, I think the Russell 2000 becomes an interesting thing. I do want to own these regional banks at some point. We're starting to dabble around in um, commercial real estate. Yes, there are real problems in commercial real estate. I, they're not going away anytime soon. Having said that, you look at how far down some of these stocks have come, how negative sentiment is, and as a contrarian, that's things that catch my eye. Who's going to manage through this? Not every property is bad, even within the U.S. You see certain cities and certain city centers may be in trouble, but other areas are growing. So there's going to be opportunity, and I think we've almost hit the stage on commercial real estate. The you know, baby's been thrown up with the bathwater, and you can opportunistically trade that from the long end. So we had a big drop in yields today. Uh, that was quite notable. Uh, the two-year down 17 basis points, the 10-year the down 14 basis points. You're starting to get these yields down to a place where it suggests that people are positioning for a recession. And, uh, you know, it kind of makes people trying to buy the bond market here, the Treasury market, for safety. Um, you know, may, does it tilt the risk reward to, like you said, to the equity market just because those yields have dropped as much as they have? Right now, I really would be betting heavily against the two-year. I kind of, I think we're going to see a little bit more of an inversion again because I think the Fed is going to deliver a very strong, higher for longer message tomorrow. The market doesn't believe it, but the Fed is, I think, going to be very adamant that they are going to be very reluctant to cut. I think the market still almost views the Fed put as active. So we see moves like this today where, oh, the Fed's going to have to you know, react to the banking problems. I don't think that's how the Fed's going to behave. So I'm looking for two years to rise from here. And I think the 10 years is probably going to stay about stable because we are probably going to push ourselves into a recession. And uh, of course, uh, one of the things we should contribute to a recession would be uh, credit drying up. And uh, certainly with a lot of the regional banks protecting their balance sheets, that's a distinct possibility. Yes, it's, you know, I've got to admit, as a larger macro person, I have not paid as much attention to the local banks. But as I've been digging through this for the last month or so, I'm amazed, and maybe I shouldn't be, just how important the local banks and community banks are to small and medium-sized business. So much gets done through those small banks. And if they have to start pulling back, those companies are going to have to scramble. They're going to have to figure out how to do their payroll. They'll get it accomplished, but I think it is going to provide this credit contraction, and it's really going to be a bottom small company up, which is unfortunate because that's been one of the big areas of growth in the U.S., really, is small companies. So I think this is going to be way more disruptive than the Fed seems to think right now. Very quickly, uh, small businesses rely on small banks, and this is a huge problem. Surely half of Americans are employed by small businesses. Yes, and you know people will figure its way around, but I think that's where you get that issue, where small banks are either going to have to raise rates to keep some of those deposits, or those deposits are going to keep going to the bigger banks. And in the meantime, I think it's going to effectively gum up the system, right? It's going to slow things down. It's going to make everyone a little bit more conservative. If yeah. you were a small business person who felt that, oh, I could walk in my bank if I need a million dollars to expand, and they will give it to you, now you've got to be a little bit more concerned if you're not dealing with that local bank who understands okay. your market very well. So, so yes, 30, I think it's going to 30 slow seconds, down. 30 seconds, should the Fed take that into consideration? I think the Fed should. I think they should have taken it into consideration last month. I think in the middle of all this, they should have said no more. I don't know whether that would have been enough to stop what happened to First Republic, but I think they are pushing this hard, and they're, being, they're almost acting as though they're blinders on, and they push too far, but I think the Fed is going to continue to push too far. 
This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.